All right, guys. You got enough juice in the tank for me right now? Juice in the tank? Fuel? I don't know what that even means. I don't know if I... (laughs) Juice in the tank. I'm not sure what that is, guys. Go ahead and grab your Bible. Grab your little uh, journal deal. A pen. Guys, we, we are going through this unexpected theme, right? Have an unexpected God with an unexpected message to an unexpected people for an unexpected future, right? And, and one of the things that we're, we're going to be doing, we're going to open up to Romans chapter 8 this morning, all right? And, and we're going to continue this theme with the goal of, of seeking to understand some of these great truths of the gospel of Jesus, all right? But while you get to Romans chapter 8, let me say this, okay? One of the, one of the great critiques of, of Christians today Guys, there seems to be like a disconnect between the God that we say that we love and follow and the way that we live and love in the world today. In fact, one of the leading research groups in in our country called the Barna Group has has conducted over a million interviews with people both inside and outside the church, people who would call themselves Christians and people who would not call themselves Christians. And in one of the words that they found, and you probably can guess this, that's been attributed most frequently to Christians is the word hypocrite. And in one sense, guys, if you're a Christian and you you like to debate, you can recoil to to this statement, right? And you can say, well, that's just like an unfair stereotype. And and you might explain it as as coming to to God in faith through through Jesus and becoming a Christian. It, It makes you saved and forgiven and redeemed, but it doesn't make you perfect. So in one sense, we're every single Christian, we're we're all recovering hypocrites. Right, that, that although we, we love Jesus and we preach Jesus, we're, we're not perfect and we're not completely like Jesus. We, we, we struggle sometimes to, to be like the Jesus that we serve, we love, and proclaim. But in another real sense, guys, there, there's an unsettling reality to, to many Christians' lives. That we can be part of like a, a thing like this on the weekend, a, a big fall retreat, right? We can go to the spring conference here in, in February. We could be part of like a, a really exciting worship service and in that song, like joy, like this, this, this joy that we have. Like we can, we can raise our hands, we can pump our fists, we can clap, we can jump, we can do all this stuff. But then we can walk out of here and leave this context and go immediately into worldly living. And we don't see a disconnect. So that's a real struggle. And as Christians, guys, we just live in this tension, that this struggle is, is real, all right? That we, we, we learn about this unexpected love that we have from the Father, this unexpected Father, this unexpected family of God and how we can be part of it. And here's what happens to, to many people, that we, we hear this gospel message, we, we decide to follow Jesus, you, you say yes, you, you receive eternal life, you receive forgiveness of, of sin, and you begin to walk with Jesus. And, and you're in that place where you're like this mountaintop experience, right? And it almost seems like you're just like floating through life on like a holy cloud, and you don't even think about sinning for a while, right? And then all of a sudden, bam, life hits, and you just get smacked in the face with the reality that sin is still a big part of your life. And it's still a struggle. That while we put our faith in Jesus and he forgives us of our sin, the rest of our lives, guys, is gonna be a constant struggle. It's gonna be a constant fight with sin. That as Christians, guys, we wanna follow God. We wanna be about the things of God. But it's a struggle to actually live it out. And And I honestly, I find this comforting in the fact that I don't think I'm the only one, right? I mean, this is this is my story. 
And I, and I think this is your story. This is certainly the Apostle Paul's story. If you've ever wrote, read Romans chapter seven, the Apostle Paul talks about this. He ends Romans chapter seven and he's talking about like the things that I wanna do, I don't do, but the things that I don't wanna do, I keep doing, that I hate the things that I keep doing. It's this struggle of life. No matter how much you love Jesus, like we struggle. And we all experience this struggle with sin at times. The question is, guys, is what do we do with this struggle? I mean, like, is this a fight that we can actually win? And, and here's what I think to be true, guys. I, I don't think that, that our main problem is that we find sinful things attractive. Like, we certainly do. Like, that's definitely a, a problem. Like, sinful things can be attractive. But I think even more, like, our biggest problem is that we don't find God as attractive as he really is. We, we aren't like captivated and, and so attracted to the, to the gospel message of Jesus. This is the big problem. And I, and I think this can really be especially true for, for those of you who maybe have grown up in the church. You've been a Christian for a really long time. Right? You, you've, you've read the Bible, you, you know the stories, you've been to like Christmas services, you, you've been to Easter services, like you know all of these different things. And, and as you hear this, you, you kind of just get used to God. You kind of just get used to this gospel. This gospel that was once like amazing and captivating and just exhilarating has really just kind of become like this, this normal message. It's just kind of like, yeah, I, I hear it. I'm sitting here. I just had to listen to this guy talk about it for 40 minutes and it's just kind of like, meh. Like I, I'm not really like moved by anything. And, and I, wouldn't, I wouldn't think it's a stretch that, that maybe some of you guys like were in this place right now. You know, we've seen these songs about like joy and there's people dancing around you and you're like, well, why am I not feeling like this? Like, what is going on? You're, maybe you're just kind of going through the motions you believe. You actually love Jesus, but you're in this fight of Romans chapter seven with sin. And maybe you find yourself like losing because your lack of amazement in the gospel. Because I want you to know this, okay? Overcoming sin in your life is not about you like white knuckling it. Right? It's not about you just trying really hard with all the power that you have, but it's this, guys. It's completely surrendering to the love of God and it's through the Holy Spirit of God that we can stand in victory over sin and stand victorious over this struggle. And for years, like, I didn't get this. Like, I didn't get it. I, I looked inwardly to try and fight this, this sin struggle of Romans chapter seven. I was trying really, really hard. I was digging deep within myself instead of looking to God for help. And guys, when I learned this idea of Romans chapter eight, it was just like a completely unexpected message that has changed my life forever. And so here's my goal for us this morning, okay? I wanna try and deepen our understanding and our amazement and our excitement for the gospel, which I believe will ultimately help us to live for God and find victory over sin and temptation in our lives. All right, and this is what Romans 8 is really all about, that Romans 8, guys, is probably one of the coolest chapters in the Bible. Romans 8 is a chapter of victory. It's a chapter of victory over sin and freedom from sin, and it's filled with not just good news, but great news. Guys, it's filled with this amazing gospel news, this, this news that will literally change everything about every single one of us if we actually get it. If, we in our, if we're in this place that Isaac was talking about, of just like hearing this and, and accepting it and experiencing it, this will literally change everything about your life. All right, so Romans chapter eight. Let's get into this. We're gonna start in verse 12. 
This is what the Apostle Paul says. So then, brothers. All right, we're gonna stop there. All right, we, we gotta understand, Paul is saying that, so then, he's basically saying, in light of everything that he just shared, so then. All right, so what did he just share? If we look back, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna go ahead and read um, verses one through 11. This is what Paul is, is building off of. This is what it says in, in Romans 1, 8, or 8, 1 through 11. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteousness requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, you, Paul is saying you, Christian, are not in the flesh, but you are in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Underline verse 11. This is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your immortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Paul says, so then, in light of all of this gospel news, like this gospel news, like there's no condemnation for sin. Like you're not under condemnation from God because of your sin. He's he's forgiven you, he's redeemed you, and not only that, but he's given the Holy Spirit to you. The same Spirit, verse 11, that raised Jesus from the dead is now living in you. Do you guys, you gotta get that. Like this is just this amazing gospel truth. The Spirit of God is dwelling in you by faith. And this is something that we believe as Christians, right? That when we put our faith in Jesus, he he doesn't just give us forgiveness and salvation, but he gives us himself, he gives us his Spirit. And so Paul says, so then, In light of the fact, if we've come to Jesus in faith and we're Christians, there's none of this condemnation. We have eternal life with God. We have the Holy Spirit. He says, so then, brothers. And when he says brothers, guys, he's talking in this context. It means that he's talking to Christians. He's talking to those people who have come to Jesus and they're part of the family of God and they have the Holy Spirit. And guys, let me me just say this. Okay, Romans 8 is oftentimes called the, the chapter of like the Holy Spirit. Right? As Paul, through Romans 8, he gives us direction on how to live free from sin. And the way that he begins to talk about this is by talking about the Holy Spirit. That in chapter 8, if you, if you look through chapter 8, Paul mentions the Holy Spirit eight, 19 times in the first 27 verses. And his point is this, guys. And I want you to hear this. The Christian life is essentially life in the Spirit. Which is to say that the Christian life is a life that is animated, sustained, and directed, and empowered by the Holy Spirit for joy, hope, security, and victory over sin. And, and maybe you're kind of like new to the Bible, you're, you're new to Salt Company, and this Holy Spirit talk can maybe seem weird to you, right? And, you know, there, if, you're, if you're not a Christian, like maybe coming to Salt Company, there's a lot of things that can seem weird, right? I mean, like singing songs and jumping around, having your hands up in the air, dunking people in water, right? Maybe you go to Salt City and like you have snack time with bread and juice, like, well, you know, it's just a lot of weird stuff, right? 
But one of the things that we believe about the Bible is that when you become a Christian, that the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you. Paul shares this in Romans 8, 11, if you look back. Right? But maybe you've heard the, the Holy Spirit called like the, the Holy Ghost, and you're just like, this is just, what, what is this? Like Ghostbusters? Like, is this like a weird episode of Stranger Things? Like, what is going on? Like, but guys, this is so significant, right? Let me just briefly share with you what we believe about God as it relates to the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity, which is a word that Christians have used throughout history to explain the nature of God. And I wanna give you this definition. It's gonna pop up on the screen, okay? And I'm not giving you this definition for the sake of of you being scholars, but for the sake of you being soldiers. Like scholars wanna attain information and just kinda learn for the sake of information. Soldiers wanna wanna study and learn for the sake of mission. And guys, this is one of these things, like we need to know the Bible, we need to know theology for the sake of God's mission in our world so we know who God is and who we are when it comes to him. But this is like a definition of the Trinity, that God eternally exists as three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, each person is fully God and there is one God. And even though, guys, in our finiteness, like we can't fully wrap our mind around this reality of God, we see it through the Bible, that we have one God existing as three persons. And peppered throughout the entire Bible, we see this nature of God. And so I I say this, and I I start here to, to say, when we consider the Holy Spirit, which we're gonna do, we're talking about God. We just need to be clear on that. The Holy Spirit is, is not a force, it's not a thing, but he's a person. And the Holy Spirit is whom we believe and dwells Christians upon faith. And it's in light of all this that Paul says, back to verse 12, so then brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, I want you to circle that in your Bible, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. All right, so he says, those of us who have the spirit of God in us, we're we're debtors to the Holy Spirit. And we're gonna come back to that, but I want you to look at verse 14. He says, for all who are led by the spirit are sons of God. Guys, and this is key for our understanding here, and this lends to like our big idea this morning. That as we talk about the lives that we live and the struggles that we have with sin, you just need to know this. And I want to encourage you to write this down so you can talk about it in your small groups, guys. You'll have the life you want when you're led by the spirit. Because you really will. You'll have the life you want when you're led by the Spirit. And when we talk about being led by the Spirit, guys, many people, I think, like, really kind of think wrongly about this. Many people think, like, being led by the Spirit has to do with, like, the Spirit helping us make decisions in life. Like, guiding you to choose, like, the right spouse, right? The, the right job, the right place to live. You know, it's kind of like, hey, Alexa, right? <laughs> like, Google, what do I do here, right? It, you know, this is how we think of it. All right, but it's not that. Paul gives us a much more biblical understanding of what it means to be led by the Spirit here in Romans 8, and he focuses on several things that the Holy Spirit leads us towards, which is gonna deepen our understanding of the gospel, which will ultimately help us to see how good God is and allow us to win the war over sin and the struggle that we all have. And so the first thing is this. Paul says that the Holy Spirit leads us into holiness. He leads us into holiness. Look back at verses 12 and 13. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. He says, if by the Holy Spirit, if we have the Holy Spirit, we are debtors to the Holy Spirit. He says, you're not in debt to the flesh, but the Spirit. And so we ask the question, okay, well, why are we in debt to the Holy Spirit? And guys, it's this, is that we have been given the Spirit 
And the Spirit has given us everything. The Spirit has given us life. The Holy Spirit in our lives has applied to us all that Jesus has accomplished for us. That he saves us from our sin. He pronounces no condemnation for us. He gives us eternal life. The Spirit has literally given us everything. He says, look, since the Spirit has freed you from death in your flesh, in sin, you now have an obligation with your new life to live for and like him. It's, it's kind of like this, okay? When I turned 16, I, I got my driver's license, okay? My parents gave me a truck. And I, and I remember my dad, like, uh, do you guys have Cracker Barrels up here in Minnesota? My dad had like a weird thing with like Cracker Barrel rocking chairs on our front porch. And I remember like he, he didn't have like a lot of conversations with me, but this one he did. So he pulled me out on the porch and he was smoking his cigarette and sitting on these Cracker Barrel rocking chairs. And he's like, boy, I got something to tell you. And I was like, all right, what do I got? He says, we love you. We want to give you this gift, but you need to understand something. I was like, okay. And he pointed at it. He's like, you know what that is? And I was like, I mean, a truck? Like, <laughs> I don't know. He's like, that's a 5,000 pound bullet. Don't be an idiot. He's like, don't be an idiot out there on the road and kill someone else and kill yourself. Guys, there was this obligation that I had in receiving this gift from my parents to drive responsibly. In essence, this is what Paul is saying, that God has given you everything, even himself. Now here's how you live in response to that. And he says our obligation, our debt, is to now live according to the Spirit's desires for our life, not our, our flesh. And the Spirit's desire for our life is to be like Jesus, to be holy, which means to be set apart. And guys, holiness is, is simply, it's this word that you've probably heard if you've read like Christian books. Holiness just simply means Christ-likeness. It's living like Jesus in the everyday stuff of life, not living in the flesh and not living in your sin. Ephesians 5.1, Paul says to be imitators of God. This is what Jesus saves us for. Like Jesus doesn't save us just to, to make us a better version of you. He saves us to be like himself. This is what Paul shares in Romans 8, 29, to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And we live our lives being led by the Spirit. And as we do this, we begin to look more and more like Jesus as we purge ourselves from sin. That really Paul is saying that if we're truly in Christ and have the Holy Spirit, hear this guys, we can't stay the same. Like it's, it's literally like impossible. You, we can't keep living in the flesh. I want you to think of it like this, okay? If there's like a fire burning in a fireplace, like what's the like natural result? I know it's early. Ash? Close. Well, yeah, there's probably a lot. Of, that's a bad question. Smoke, right? <laughs> that's a bad, there's a lot. Heat, ash, yes. Okay, all that. <laughs> right? But if there's a fire burning in the fireplace, guys, smoke is gonna be the natural result that comes out of the chimney. This is what Paul is talking about. That if the Holy Spirit is in us, the results of our lives, the smoke that comes from the fire of burning within us is holiness, not sin. In Galatians 5, Paul calls this the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of these things. This is the smoke of the Christian life that comes from the Holy Spirit burning within us. It's not pride and anger and greed and idolatry and lust and fill in the blank with whatever sin struggle you have. But the question is, guys, with all of this, is how can we possibly have this to be true? Like, how can we do this? And Paul tells us right here, he says it's being led by the Spirit. And one of the primary things the Spirit leads us to do 
Look back to Romans 8, 13. Put to death the deeds of the flesh. He's saying we, we kill sin. And guys, the, the Greek word that Paul uses here, guys, is a, is a word of violence. All right, there is a violent streak in the life of a Christian. A violent streak, not towards people. I want you to hear that. It's a, it's a violent streak, but it's not towards people, but it's towards your sin. It's a violence towards your pride and your greed and your racism and your addictions. Paul is talking about this ruthless, full-hearted war against sin. And what this means, guys, is that Christians, we don't play games with sin, we don't seek to like wean ourselves off of it. We don't kind of say like, okay, I'm just gonna kind of manage it over here. It's not, I'm gonna keep it under control. It's not gonna get that big. But he's literally saying, we need to kill it. Because I need you to understand this, guys. If we aren't killing sin, sin is killing us. It really is. This is just the reality of sin, that if we are not killing it, it is in fact killing you. And Paul says it will lead to death. He's talking about a lifestyle of killing sin because it's this ongoing thing that we will do until we are in glory with God for eternity. Now, maybe this kind of seems like hopeless to you. All right, maybe, maybe some of you are like kind of thinking like, you're thinking about some of the struggles that you have in life and, and thinking, man, there's like no possible way. Like I'm lucky if, if I can go a week without living out of my flesh in sin. And maybe you're thinking like, what the heck do I even do with this? Like, I might as well not even try because I can't do it. Because there's always good news. There's always gospel news when it comes to Jesus. Great news. God gives you the ability to do this. This happens not by your own strength and your own self-discipline, but by the power of the spirit that has been given to you. And here's how the spirit helps us to kill sin. Look at verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, all right? So Paul says that, that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, capital S, is speaking to our spirit, and this is how he helps us. And here's what he's saying. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I want you to circle that in your Bible. We are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And guys, when you get this, this is just kind of like this mind-blowing good news that we are children of God. We sing these songs, but when we understand this, guys, I mean, this is the gospel. We're heirs of God, that we get God. He's given us everything, that we get Jesus, everything that Jesus has earned for us. We get to enjoy all of that with him. And so here's what this means, guys. In our fight with sin, the spirit leads us to holiness. The Holy Spirit is in us. He reinforces to us our standing with God so that when our flesh flares up, the Holy Spirit speaks up. So that when you're being enticed and tempted to sin and the things of the flesh, that your spirit speaks up and talks to you. And, and you know, maybe, have you guys seen those cartoons, right, where you have like the devil on one shoulder and like the angel on the other shoulder? You guys have seen those? Maybe, right? This isn't like that, right? Because this, what happens in that, in that moment, right? The devil's kind of over here saying like, yeah, sin, do this. And then the angel's over here saying like, no, don't do that. Right, and in that scenario, guys, he isn't giving you any good news. He's just saying, don't do it. But this is not what's happening here. Because when the Holy Spirit speaks to our spirit, he's not just saying, don't do that, but he's preaching good news to us. He's preaching the gospel. He's saying, you are a child of God. He's preaching the gospel to us. You're heirs with Christ. 
And guys, this is how we combat sin and walk in holiness. We combat the attractiveness of sin with something way more attractive than sin, the gospel. As if we are children of God, Paul is saying that sin can be cut off at the root and we can walk in holiness and freedom from sin if we continually expose ourselves to the unimaginable love of God. And I want you to know, I've experienced this in my life, guys, that the exposure to the gospel, what it does is it just like, it just creates this wave of love and gratitude and a feeling of obligation that we get to live for God. We get to live for and like Jesus, holy. And so guys, I'll tell you this. You can, in fact, kill sin's power of you by focusing on Jesus's redemption for you. And as you do this, it will cause you to hate sin because it just looks disgusting in the face of the gospel. The gospel is so much more beautiful. And this is part of the reason why at Salt Company we, we seek to be like Bible-saturated. Right, because when the Holy Spirit speaks to our spirit, he's just not saying like, hey, right? He's not saying, hey, how you doing? Like, no, he's speaking the truths of scripture. And guys, when the words of the Bible are in you, the spirit speaks them to you. And when all the amazing truths of the gospel flood our mind, sin loses its power and we can live in holiness just like Jesus. God gives us that ability. He's that good. So the Holy Spirit leads us to holiness, but he also does this. The second thing is the Holy Spirit leads us to have assurance in our salvation. Look at verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but underline this next part, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And let me say this, guys. One of the reasons why I love our network of churches so much is because we have some really godly leaders pastoring our churches who are phenomenal Bible teachers. And a guy by the name of Jake Each taught me so much about this reality in this passage, of which I want to share some of it with you. And so, so listen, guys, this sin-killing behavior that the Spirit leads us to, it comes from an understanding of our new standing with God, that we're adopted by God as sons. And when he talks about being adopted as son, he's not making like a, a sexist statement by any means, but he's making like a status statement, all right? Because in this time period, like daughters were not able to inherit property. They were not legal heirs. And so Paul refers to all of us being adopted as sons, showing us that how God is treating all of us, that our status before God as Christians is that he adopts us as heirs. And guys, there's assurance in this. And here's why insurance, yeah, here's why insurance, right? State Farm agent's gonna come up here, okay? (laughs) Here's why assurance is such a great thing for us. Many Christians, we we walk around through life with, with fears or questions around our salvation. You know, just the other day, I was I was talking to a guy at the gym. Right, you know, just a side note, you know, guys at the gym are kind of like weird. Like everybody walks around with like a mean mug and they're like sizing each other up and like, I could totally kick that guy's butt, right? And so what I do is I try to like have like a mean face on the whole time and then I walk up to a guy and I'm just like, hey, right? (laughs) And just start a conversation, right? Just totally blows their mind. They're like, what is going on, right? But I, I do that. I try and be missional in the gym, and I'm, I'm t- I start talking to this guy. And usually when I start talking to guys, it leads to like, oh, so what do you do? And I tell them I'm a pastor, and one or two things happen. They either like are like, oh, okay, great, i got to go, and they never talk to me again. Or it's like they just start telling me their life story, okay? 
this guy started telling me his, his life story. And just the other day, I was, I was talking to him. And as he was telling his story, he, he was constantly, he's constantly questioning if he's done enough for God. Like he lives in this constant fearful state, asking the question like, did I mess up too much this time? Like he asks, like, do I really believe the right things? Like, like how can I be sure that, that God's not gonna like push me out? He lives in this state of fear. And Paul is saying, guys, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to live in fear because you have the spirit of God through faith and you've been adopted by God and you're completely secure in his family. And this is significant because sometimes, guys, we reduce being a Christian to being just saved and forgiven. And while this is absolutely true, I think this cheapens our salvation a bit because it doesn't communicate our relationship and our assurance with God because if we're just forgiven, then God doesn't seem like a dad, which is how he reveals himself in the Bible, that if it's just about being forgiven, that God just, he kind of seems like a really good boss, right? That he's patient with you. When you mess up, he, he, he kind of understands, but, but there's kind of some fear in this. Like, we have to ask, like, have I done enough? Have I messed up too much? Is he happy with me? Like, am I gonna get fired? Am I gonna lose my job? Some of us, we, we view God like that, but listen to this, guys. We didn't receive a spirit of slavery or a spirit of employment, right, to, to fall back into fear, we haven't received that spirit. We've received a spirit of adoption that God doesn't want to hire you. He wants to adopt you. And when we get this, guys, it changes everything because we see that God is a father. Look back to verse 16. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So the spirit is, is talking to our spirit and he's telling us the good news of our adoption. And because of this good news, it's reinforcing in us, in our hearts, in our spirit, we can cry out, Abba, and Abba is just a term that like young Hebrew children would use because it was so easy to say. It's kind of like the word dada. This is what Abba means. It's this very intimate term. And as we hear this good news from the Holy Spirit talking to us, we can cry out in excitement and just be like, I have a dad. And there he is. He loves me. Like I'm with him. Like I don't have to be afraid because he's bigger than me. He's bigger than you. He's bigger than everything. There's my dad. And we can cry this out and say, Abba, he loves me and I belong to him. Because it's kind of like this, like one of the best parts of my day is when I see, get to see my kids when I come home from work. And whenever I see them, like seriously, I, I, I can't, I'm gonna be so sad when this day stops, all right? But they, I walk in the door and no matter what they're doing, they, they get it, like they're talking, they're talking, they hear the door open and they just turn. And we lock eyes and they just scream out, Daddy. And they come and run and just hug me. And we just stand there in the door. And I just hug them. Abba. Guys, God is like that. You just need to know, guys, this is like, this is such good news. God is like that, that we can run with excitement to our dad. And he grabs us. And he holds us. And there's security there. There's assurance there that we're his. And nothing can change that. That just like my kids don't have to wonder if I'm gonna be their dad or if I love them and I want them, we can know that this is how God sees us because we've been adopted, not just forgiven. 
in this new relationship that we had is, have is now made possible by the work of Jesus and it's applied to us by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that we get to call God Father. I love the way John Piper talks about this. There's gonna be a pop up here on the screen. He says, we don't infer logically the fatherhood of God by the testimony of the Spirit. We enjoy emotionally the fatherhood of God through the testimony of the Spirit. And guys, what he is saying is this, is that when the Spirit tells us who we are, that we're adopted children of God, our reaction isn't like, oh, that's great. You know, I get it. It makes sense. But what he's saying is when we get this, when the Spirit tells us that we're the adopted children of God, our response is emotional. It has this, this theological truth now has like an emotional reaction and guys, here's where it gets practical. That emotional reaction is absolutely devastating to sin. It is. Because Jesus is not just good, but he's better than everything. And because he's better, sin just gets crushed. That Jesus is a better savior than I am a sinner. And this emotional reaction chokes out the appeal of sin because Jesus is that much better. Oh, 10.02. Why is only one? We'll pray in a minute. Because Tim Keller gives a great illustration of this. Um, he, uh, it's, it's been, when I heard this, Jake, Jake told me it, and when I heard this, it literally just landed this truth. Like, so hard for me, but... Tim Killer gives this illustration of this uh, Vietnamese movie called Three Seasons. I've never seen it, never gonna watch it. It has subtitles. Just don't do that, okay? Um, but it's about a, a rickshaw driver. Rickshaw driver is one of those bicycle taxi drivers. Have you maybe you've seen those? Um, but this rickshaw driver, he, he likes this girl in town who's a prostitute. All right, and, and her clients take her to this really nice hotel to be with her, all right? And, and she has this idea that like one day, like her ambition is to go to this really nice hotel and to stay there by herself, right? This is what she's setting her life on. She really, really wants this. But this rickshaw driver, he likes this girl. He pursues her. So he, he waits outside of this hotel. When she gets done with these guys, he, he takes her home and he wants to be with her, but he doesn't have any money. And then he hears about this race that's coming up for rickshaw drivers. And the winner gets $50 which is the amount that it costs to be with this girl. And so he enters this race, he wins, he gets 50 bucks, he goes to this girl, he's like, I got 50 bucks. And so she's like, okay, well, let's go. So they go to this hotel, and in the movie, Keller kind of describes like you're, you're waiting for this like steamy sex scene. But they open up the door to the hotel and they walk in and she, he has dinner waiting for her. And he says, hey, I don't want to sleep with you. I just want you to have like a really nice night and I want you to eat dinner and just have a really great relaxing time in this really nice hotel. And he's like, I just wanna stay here and just watch you sleep. And that's like, it's like this, it's like this beautiful moment. Right? It's like this beautiful moment and then all of a sudden there's that. And it's like, that's kind of like a serial killer, right? Like, not exactly sure what that's like, but, but that's what he says. And so she has this nice dinner, goes to sleep. He leaves, she wakes up in the morning and breakfast is waiting for her. And she's just sitting there eating breakfast and in that moment, she realizes she can never go back to prostitution. 
the way that this guy loved her totally changed her life. And she could never go back. She could never be the same. Guys, when we understand that we have been adopted by God and we experience the love of God as Abba, Father, like that, sin loses its appeal and we have absolute assurance of our salvation because God has us in his arms. As his kids, there's no fear. There's just love and security for you as a Christian. So the Spirit leads us to holiness, gives us assurance, and I'll end with this. The Holy Spirit leads us to an inheritance. All right? Like we could stop now, the band could come up, and there's great gospel news to celebrate, but the gospel keeps getting better and better. Look at verse 17. Actually, verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him. That Paul says that God's family, you, as God's adopted kids through faith, we will share in Jesus' sufferings, but we're also sharing his glory. And so let's just get intensely practical and ask the question, is following Jesus worth it? I mean, have you asked that? I was getting my hair cut. There's a guy that just got out of prison. He does a pretty nice job, right? Maybe, ish. But he cuts my hair. And um, so he was cutting my hair and I was sharing the gospel. I've been sharing the gospel with him for months. And he was just like, literally two weeks ago, he was like, Rob, I understand what you're saying to me. I just need to know if it's worth it because if this is actually true, it changes everything. It's gonna change my life and how I live. Is it worth it? This is the question, guys. And Paul answers this question with an emphatic, yes, absolutely. I had a professor in, in seminary who always used to say this, Dr. Fry, he's kind of like this old senile guy that loved Jesus, knew the Bible, but could never remember my name. But he would always say, it's all about the benefits. It's all about the benefits. And so what are these benefits, this inheritance that the Spirit leads us to? Guys, turn to Ephesians chapter one, and here's how we're gonna end. Ephesians chapter one. Because this chapter, I want to encourage you guys when you have this quiet time, even throughout the, this next week, spend some time in Ephesians chapter one. Paul lays out this beautiful picture of the gospel and the blessings that God gives us, the inheritance that we get through faith in Jesus, of which I'm just going to point out a few. All right, look at verses three and four, that God has chosen us. What that means, guys, is that it says as he's chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Guys, you need to know that God sees you. He sees you, right? You remember like dodgeball, like as a, an elementary school when like people were picking teams and all that stuff and like you were the last one kind of just standing there. You're like, does anybody see like I'm, I'm here, right? Like, like it's not like that. God sees you and he chooses you. Look at verse five. He's adopted you, that he loves you like a father and he wants to make you his kid. He loves you like that. Verse seven, in him we have redemption through his blood. He's redeemed you, guys. He frees you from the effects of your sin, the guilt of your sin. There's now no condemnation if you're in Christ Jesus. Verse 11, look, he has this inheritance for you. He gives you eternity with him, all the blessings, everything. Verse 13 and 14, guys, that he seals you with the spirit, or that he gives you this security. Because, you know, in the... In antiquity, right, when kings would send letters, what they would do is they would write this letter in a scroll, they'd roll it up and they'd stamp it and they'd seal it shut. And that was to ensure that it would never be opened until it got to where it needed. 
This language of being sealed by the Spirit is the same way that he seals you like that, that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Guys, this is Jesus and his gospel. So my question is, is what's keeping you from him? Where are you at in your faith? Because are you like examining Jesus in his gospel? Or are you experiencing like, have you, have you like heard about this good news? And you're like, man, this is awesome. Like a family, there's a place for me at the table. The answer is yes, guys. Now your response is to take a step and say yes to Jesus. If you don't know how to do that, grab your connection group leader and just talk to him. Guys, the life you want is with him and he will lead you in, the, in life by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, which he'll give you through faith. So here's what we're gonna do, guys. We're gonna send you off to be with this Jesus that gives you everything. And so we're gonna have a quiet time for the next 45 minutes. You can go anywhere, you can stay in this room, you can go outside, you can go back to wherever. And for 45 minutes, guys, I wanna encourage you. Maybe you've been spending 45 minutes in Ephesians chapter one, just seeing the beauty of the gospel. And some of you guys, like 45 minutes in the Bible, no problem, right? You always take Instagram pictures of like your coffee and your Bible and it's just like great, you know? (laughs) Some of you, like you're like 45 minutes, like what in the world? Like how do I do that? Guys, give yourself grace. Just sit down, grab a coffee, read. If you need to space out, you can space out for a minute, smack yourself and then keep reading and just pray and just get with God and let him speak to you guys. This is what we do. We get with God and just let him speak to us and let the spirit speak to your spirit through the word of God. And then after that 45 minutes, we're gonna get in our small groups and you guys know the rest, all right? So let me pray for you and then we'll, we'll send you out. God, thanks for the, the great blessing of the gospel. Thanks for letting me be your kid. As a guy with, without an earthly dad, I, I love the fact that I have a, a heavenly father. That I remember for years, I, would, I just longed to just hear my earthly dad's voice, but not being able to hear it. And then God, you broke in and you adopted me. And now I have a dad. And so God, I, I pray that as we go out into this quiet time now and we just set out to meet with you, Reveal yourself as a father that delights in us as your kids. I pray that in Zephaniah 3.17 where we get this picture of you, God, singing over us, rejoicing over us as as kids. God, God, we feel that as we meet with you. Help us to encounter you and empower us by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to take our next step, whatever that is, to be with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.